Hi, everyone. I'm so glad you're here to worship with us online. This is our eighth week of worshiping from our living rooms and our family rooms. I don't know if you realize, but the first century church experienced much the same thing. For a while, they were welcome in the temple, and so they worshiped in large groups. But eventually, they weren't welcome there. In fact, Christians were even hunted down for their faith in Jesus as the Messiah and God. So they worshiped in their homes. They ate their meals together as a, as a church family in very small groups. They prayed together. They celebrated the Lord's Supper together. How do we know that? Well, we read it in Acts 2, 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Of course, they didn't have the technology we have, so they didn't have a worship team singing praises so that we could sing with them. They didn't have one of the apostles standing up giving the message about what Jesus had done and taught. They didn't have all of the things that we are used to as we worship together alone or with our families or with our friends. But they did celebrate together. They did eat together. They did share worship and they experienced the worship of the living God of the universe in their homes. Now, they didn't have the apostles' teaching unless, of course, one of the homes where they were had an actual apostle with them. But what they did have is the apostles taught groups of people, and one of those people would teach in the home, or one of those people who were taught by one of those people were teaching in their home. You get the idea. The message of Jesus passed on from one leader to another to another, and those were the folks who led worship and led the messages in the homes. So much has changed since those days. But one of the blessings of this unprecedented disruption in our lives that has taken place because of COVID-19 is here we are in our homes. We're worshiping together with our families, or maybe you're at home by yourself, or maybe you're with a group of friends. In any case, it's pretty much the same as it was 2,000 years ago. We aren't forbidden to worship Jesus as they were, Sometime in the weeks ahead, we're going to be able to come right back here to 139 Knock Road and worship together. But until then, we have the amazing opportunity to be bound together not only by the Holy Spirit, which has always been the case for believers in Jesus Christ, but the amazing technology that was unimaginable to those first believers lets us be together even as we're in our separate homes. I'll be honest, that technology was unimaginable to me even as I was growing up in the 1960s and the 1970s. But here we are, and by here, I mean together in our separate places. We are bound together by our common love for Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who binds each believer, not just from New Life Christian Ministries, but all over the world together. And then we are together because of that amazing, amazing technology I just mentioned. Today we're in week four of our series, Experiencing New Life. If you're joining us with the first time, I want you to know I'm so glad that you're here. And we started New Life because we wanted to help people who maybe never went to church or had given up on church as usual an opportunity to gather and worship. It's sort of interesting, around the world, people have given up on worship as usual for a time because of this COVID-19 pandemic. But many of us are grateful, and we're more grateful than ever that we can still gather together as believers in Jesus Christ through this amazing technology that makes it available to us to worship with you if you're seeking Jesus. Maybe you've never trusted him as Savior and Lord. We're so glad you're with us. And we know that we have believers who are worshiping with us from all over the world as we seek together as New Life Christian Ministries to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. 
When we can be together, I want you to know we love each other. We're so glad to see each other. And we'll be glad to see you when we can finally get back together at 139 Knock Road, Saxonburg, PA. We invite you to come and join us as we worship. But for today, we're going to be together virtually. The Experiencing New Life series has two emphases. First of all, Jesus told us that each of us needs to experience a new life. In fact, he called it being born again. He called it being born again because we are born in a fallen condition. The Bible calls it sin. Sin is separation from God. Sin is disagreeing with the will of God in our lives. And we're all born in that condition, according to Jesus. We were created to love God, to worship Him, to serve Him, to be together with Him and one another in fellowship. But our love for God and each other was disrupted by sin because the very first human couple decided they wanted to worship themselves instead of God. Ever since that moment, God has been revealing Himself to people and trying to draw us back into relationship with Himself so that we can once again love Him, enjoy Him, and be together with Him now and forever. So that's the first way that we're supposed to experience new life, being born again to the new life that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again to bring us. The second experience of new life, coming, it comes through these seven weeks as we look at the seven core values, the seven core biblical values of New Life Christian Ministries. Those core values give us the opportunity to be the body of Jesus Christ, known as New Life Christian Ministries. This isn't a social club. We don't get together on the weekends just to talk about religious experiences. We come together so that we can share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. As I said, that's our mission. And those seven core values draw us together. So far, we've focused on the first three. The first three core values of new life are, number one, we follow Jesus. Number two, we love each other. And number three, we care for the lost. If you missed any of those messages, I would encourage you to go to www.newlifexn.org or the New Life app so you can watch or listen to them. Especially if you're new to us, this series is one of the best ways to discover who we are and what we believe we are called to, to be and do together as a church. Today, we're going to turn to our fourth core value. We engage in worship. God created human beings to worship. Adam and Eve, the first two human beings, enjoyed that worship. They had a relationship with God that was perfect. They got to spend time with Him, invest time with Him every single day. And that experience of knowing God and loving God and putting God first in their lives, that's what worship is. But they succumbed to a temptation. And that temptation was to worship something other than God themselves. And because of that, human beings have been confused ever since that moment when Adam and Eve sinned, whenever they turned away from God, whenever they decided they would rather worship themselves than God, we have been confused about who it is we're called to worship. Today's take-home point shows us a focus that is supposed to be the focus of worship in our lives. If you're new to new life, the take-home point is the one point that we make in our messages that we want to take home, and you're already at home, but we want to live them out in the week ahead. So here it is. We worship what we regard as sacred. We worship what we regard as sacred. Sacred. Let's unpack that for a moment. If we do indeed what we regard as sacred, what is worship? 
Worship is reverent honor and homage paid to God or a sacred personage or to any object regarded as sacred. We give reverent honor, devotion, and focus to whatever we regard as sacred. So it could be God. In fact, God calls us and created us to worship him. That's what God wants. But sometimes we choose to worship false gods. Sometimes we choose to worship our work. Sometimes we even choose to worship ourselves. Let's look at one more definition before we move on. If we worship and give reverent honor and focus and devotion to what we consider sacred, then what does the word sacred mean? Sacred means devoted or dedicated to a deity or to some religious purpose, consecrated. So the words worship and sacred seem to point us to God, and yet sometimes we we don't end up worshiping God, and we don't consider God as sacred. In fact, we need to know this. Sacred can mean reverently dedicated to some person, purpose, or object. Sacred can mean reverently dedicated to some person, purpose, or object. God created us to worship Him, to enjoy His presence, to consider Him and His value alone as sacred. There is nothing else in life that is sacred according to God. And that's his purpose and will for our lives. But when we forget that, our lives don't have meaning and purpose. When we do, our lives are filled with meaning, purpose, and fulfillment that can't be disrupted by anything. Nothing in this world can disrupt our sense of purpose and fulfillment when we are worshiping God, the one true living God. Whether we have a job or not, whether we have physical health or not, whether we can interact with people or not, none of those matter when we're all in For God, when God is on the throne of our lives, when we worship Him first and foremost. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need meaningful work to do, or that physical health is a minor detail in life, nor that we were created for, we weren't created for human interaction. We do need those things, and and physical health is important, and we were created to interact with one another. I'm saying that when a person comes to know Jesus Christ as the living God of the universe by trusting in him and by living in the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, then whatever happens, whatever happens, life is good. I am not saying that this COVID-19 pandemic is good. The Apostle Paul reminded the Roman Christians, and the Roman Christians live in an era when they were being tortured and even killed for their faith in Jesus Christ that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Worshiping God is the only way to have certainty, to have peace and meaning in our lives when everything seems uncertain, disrupted, and meaningless. One of the biggest challenges we face in the 21st century is not the COVID-19 virus, although it is a major challenge. But here's one of the biggest challenges we face. It is that we have permitted objects other than God to be sacred. Let me say that again. We have permitted objects other than God to be sacred. Many years ago, I heard a preacher put it this way. In America, we worship our work, we work at our play, and we play at our worship. We worship our work, we work at our play, 
and we play at our worship. While COVID-19 has taken a tremendous toll in many areas, it has shown us that we can survive without sports and other forms of entertainment. Yes, I know, some people are still watching reruns of famous sporting events, and there's always Netflix and Amazon Prime, but I've heard from person after person how they have been investing more time in their families. They've been sitting around the dinner table and even the lunch table in some cases. They've been interacting with each other. They've been reconnecting with relatives and friends they haven't spoken to in decades. In fact, I recently reconnected with my mentor from my teenage years, Andy Wygant. Many of you have told me that you've been investing more time in prayer, more time in reading your Bible and watching worship services online. Now, I would much prefer that all of us could be right here at 139 Knock Road worshiping together. But one of the blessings that I've experienced during this time is on the weekends, I've had the opportunity to worship not only with New Life, but with other church families as well. Typically, we watch the worship service on Saturday night together with all of you, and then I usually watch another one on Sunday. But then I'll turn to another worship service from one of the other churches that that I know and care about. And I'll have my phone on so I can look at the chat line from New Life, but I get to worship And so there's multiple worship opportunities every weekend, and I've been experiencing some of those. I can't can't do that whenever we're here for the weekend worshiping at New Life Christian Ministries. The point is, difficult times can point us to what is truly sacred. Difficult times can point us to what is truly sacred. Back in 1999, Matt Redman released a song, a worship song. It was titled, The Heart of Worship. And in that song, what he said was, when everything is stripped away, the heart of worship is Jesus. And I'm not saying everything has been stripped away these past eight weeks, but much has been stripped away in our lives. And what many of us have found is Jesus is the heart of our lives. Jesus is the one we worship. Thankfully, for many of us, that reality has been keeping us moving forward, keeping us positive, keeping our faith strong during this time. So it means, what it means to worship is to put Jesus first. What we're going to do right now is we're going to look at one of the clearest pictures in the Bible of worship. It comes to us from the book of Revelation. Now, I know many people are turning to the book of Revelation these days to find out whether COVID-19 is one of the seals or bowls or one of the other demonstrations of God's wrath that's found in that book. But Revelation chapter 4 shows us an incredible picture of worship in heaven. The Apostle John was given this glimpse of heaven to show us what God is like and what it really means at at, at the base level to worship, to engage in worship in our lives. So if we're going to engage in worship, if that's one of the core values of our life, there's no better place for us to turn than Revelation chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, your Bible app handy, would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. We're going to read through the entire chapter. We're going to look at a couple of verses at a time and then we're going to reflect on each one. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much that you and you alone are worthy of our worship. Today, as we turn to your word, God, open our hearts, open our minds, our spirits, our lives, God, that we might understand what it means to engage you in worship, what it means to worship you and you alone, to hold only you as sacred in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John writes, then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. 
And instantly I was in the Spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. So John tells us there was a door standing open in heaven. In the original Greek text, that verb is in the perfect tense. What that means is when John saw it 2,000 years ago, there was a door standing open in heaven and that door is still open at this very, this very moment. Isn't that amazing? That door in heaven is open. That means people can still come in. That's what John was told. And he was, said, he was told to come up and see. And the first thing he saw was a throne in heaven. There was someone sitting on the throne and that someone was God. Let's listen to John's description of God. It says, The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and cornelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. We could invest the rest of the message just on those two statements. When John saw God, the image was so indescribable that he had, he had to use a picture, and he pictured gemstones. And, and I believe that Jasper and Carnelian were chosen because of the colors that emanated, or at least that John saw. And then what about this? A, a, a rainbow, it was only one color, emerald. What, what does that mean? Well, it means that the one sitting on the throne is worthy of our worship. He is so different from anyone or anything else that John couldn't even describe him. And John is introducing him to us as the one that we worship. Look what it says next. 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. So here we see the arrangement of heaven. Right in the center of heaven, as we would expect, is God sitting on his throne. But surrounding that throne, there are 24 more thrones. And on those thrones are 24 elders. Even their description is amazing. We are told that they have white robes and gold crowns and, and we don't know what else. Because even as they're being introduced, John's mind and his, and his focus, his vision is taken back to the throne because he hears these, these rumbles of thunder. He sees lightning in front of the throne. He says, are seven burning torches. Now, if you don't know, the number seven symbolizes the number of completion or perfection or God, especially in the book of Revelation, but actually throughout the Bible. So the sevenfold Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit, the one Holy Spirit of God. And separating God from everyone is this sea of glass. And what does that mean? God is separate. Well, the, the word separate, it, it's, it's, it means holy. God is apart from. God is different than. God is not the same as the 24 elders or any of us. God is different. He is the focus. And then it says in the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. It would be very easy to get distracted by these four creatures and what they represent. In fact, people have written books about these creatures. 
But let's, let's think about it. There are four creatures, and in those days, the four creatures represent, the lion represents the strongest of all, or the, the most majestic of all creatures. The ox, the strongest of all creatures. The, the human, the wisest, and the eagle, the fastest. These beings represent the best in God's creation. They're not merely a lion, an ox, a person, an eagle, because they have eyes everywhere. What does that mean? It means they can see everything. These creatures aren't God, but these creatures have some attributes of God. They can see everywhere. Exactly what these creatures are is not the focus, because this is. It says, day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. The beings lead worship. That's why they're there. Those four creatures, whatever they signify. They are there to lead worship in heaven. They sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. To emphasize God's holy and eternal nature, they add, he is the one who always was, who is, and is still to come. If we're confused about what is sacred, if we're confused about who or what to worship, John's goal here, actually it's not John's goal, it's Jesus' goal because he's the one who gives the vision, is for us to see the focus of our worship is the God of heaven. There is nothing or anyone in heaven or earth that can measure up to God. He and he alone is worthy of our worship. John continues, whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, another hint that that's God, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, in case we missed it, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. When the elders hear those living beings giving glory and honor in God, and thanks to the one sitting on the throne to God, what do they do? They fall down. They worship God. They take off their crowns because they don't want to be confused by anybody with God, and they lay their crowns right in front of God. They acknowledge him as being the only one worthy of worship. Then they add to the song of praise of those beings their own song. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. The number three, glory, honor, power, represents God. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. So what do we do with that? The imagery is so incredible. It's literally out of this world because it depicts actors and actions from heaven, from a place none of us have yet been. It represents the present reality as well. Notice, it's not just heaven where we haven't yet been, but it's heaven right now. This has been going on for 2,000 years, and it's going to be going on for eternity. So the question is, who or what is the object of your worship right now? Who or what is the object of your worship right now? Who do you consider sacred? What is the focus of your attention, of your activity? Even in these times when maybe our activity is more limited than usual, do you worship your work? Do you worship your children? Do you worship yourself? Or do you worship the one who sits on the throne and his son Jesus? Do you worship that sevenfold spirit, the Holy Spirit? Christians worship one God, but that God has expressed himself in three persons, God the Father, 
who created everything that exists, Jesus, the Son, who redeemed us by shedding his blood on the cross, and the Holy Spirit, who sustains and empowers us. These are more than theological concepts. As John shared with us, they are the ultimate reality. If we had time to read Revelation 5 right now, what we would be seeing is an introduction to a new being, the Lamb, that is Jesus. Our lives are defined by who or what we worship. We engage in worship of that which we consider to be sacred. In this time when so much is uncertain, what is the anchor that's holding your life? John received the vision that he shared while he was exiled for his faith in Jesus Christ on the island of Patmos. Out of that painful experience came this amazing picture, came the words that we just read. John's worship of the one true God deepened as he endured the hardship and the isolation of exile. My prayer for each of us is that we will worship the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a deeper and deeper way, even as our own isolation perhaps has deepened over these last eight weeks and as we live through this difficult time. I pray that when things turn back to normal, you know, we keep talking about the new normal, I pray that when we return to normal, that we don't return to normal when it comes to how we focus on God and how we put him first in our lives. Here's what I pray. I pray that we will engage in worship, that we will work as an expression of our worship, and that when we, when we play, we will praise God for giving us the opportunity to be renewed and refreshed through it. Who or what we worship defines the core of who we are. Here at New Life, we engage in worship of the one true living God because only he is worthy. And that's why today's next step is so simple and so clear, but so challenging. I will engage in God in worship daily because only he deserves it. I will engage God in worship daily because only he deserves it. Worship is not an experience that we engage once or twice a month on a a weekend. Worship is something we engage in daily of the living God who right now is on his throne in heaven. He's being worshiped by those 24 elders, by those four creatures, and by all the angels of heaven, by the people of times and places, past, and one day by us. But right now, he gets to be worshiped by you and me as we worship him in our everyday lives, and as we worship him together now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. There's no place, no time, no situation that can separate us from you or your worthiness to be worshiped. You and you alone are God. You and you alone are the one who deserves to be put on the throne of our lives. God, we admit and confess that sometimes we have put our work on that throne. We have put our children, we have put our hopes for the future, maybe even ourselves on that throne. But right now in this moment, we get down off the throne and take anything off of it but you, and we worship you. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We give you the glory and the honor that you deserve. You are the God forever and ever. We worship you and praise you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.